Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema for Avraham Alter Ben Rivka. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. I'm so happy to have on our show today, Rebitzin Rahul Goldbaum. Rebitzin Rahul is a highly sought after international speaker who has taught in the Jewish community for over 20 years. Her effervescent joy and engaging style has drawn many to her classes and lectures, focusing on topics of parenting, self-development, marital harmony, and intimacy in the Jewish home. In addition to her teaching, Rachel is a dating and relationships coach. We are so glad to have you here with us today. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Oh, well, that would take a full hour. So <laughs> I have to condense it down. Um, when people hear my schedule, they usually, it raises their blood pressure. <laughs> I, I guess in a nutshell, I would say that I, I just, I love making connections. I love um, connecting women uh, to each other, to themselves, to their husbands, to their children. I love relationships uh, and the art of relationships. I'm the daughter of a marriage therapist. So I think it was like in my milk growing up. Um, And my parents um, had their own amazing journey to, to Judaism and learning. And so I think just, you know, my, my environment and my nature all led to the things that I'm doing today. Um, my favorite topic, I would say, to, to speak about is mikvah and marriage and um, intimacy uh, between the couple. So those are the, the areas that I tend to you know, do a lot of my, my speaking about those topics. Um, and that led me into teaching kalas teaching brides, um, teaching other women how to teach. So I run a college teacher training course. Oh, wow. Um, and I also became a dating mentor because what I started to see was that my, the colleagues were coming and they either didn't date properly or hadn't made a great choice. And I thought, isn't it better to be proactive than reactive? And started to work backwards uh, and I was working at that time in a sleepaway camp called Marava, which is in the Midwest. It's 500 girls. And uh, I was very involved with the senior staff and some of their dating sagas. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And eventually, after about 10 years, I developed what's called the directed dating approach. And I've made audios for the Nessie Project. And I also train now dating coaches. And um, it's, it's something that I love to do. And I love to watch relationships develop uh, and, and give people knowledge because knowledge is power. For sure. A hundred percent. Wow. And it sounds like you're really working with so many people and you're improving lives. You know, think about it. If you can get the dating part, right, then you can get the marriage part, right. And you continue to work on it, the family part, right. It's really, it's really amazing. And you affect generation after generation, you know, so it's really powerful. You'd be surprised how many dating skills can our marriage skills. Yes. And our parenting skills, because yes. at the end of the day, relationship skills are relationship skills. So it slightly differs, but not that much. Right. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, we're going to try to get into some of those today. So I'm very, very excited. Um, As you mentioned, one of your areas of expertise is marital harmony, and we really all want to be in a healthy and loving marriage where the husband and wife help each other and work together to raise a family. 
Unfortunately, things don't always go as we want them to, and couples often get into disagreements. And today, I'm hoping that you and I can restore peace to family homes all around the world by trying to resolve conflict in marriage. One big conflict that tends to arise between a husband and wife is how to raise their children. Often, the husband was raised by his parents in a certain way, and the wife was raised by her parents in a completely different way. So they're approaching parenting from two opposite directions. How can they decide what is the best way to raise their children? So, you know, it's interesting. Whenever I gave a parenting class, and I've given many parenting classes over the years, the very first, well, the first question is usually, how do I get my kids to stop fighting? <laughs> usually is, what about my husband? Because he has a very different way of parenting. And I always smile and I just say, raise your hand if you think your husband has a different parenting style and every single hand goes up and it, it's very validating. Uh, it's very um, calming to know that it's actually supposed to be like this. Okay, this is by design. Wow. Sent down a child into a home that has two parents, one male, one female. <laughs> so what was he thinking? Okay, so right away, right away we know there are going to be inherent differences, right? Um, one of my clients just gave me the best, the best line. She said to me, Rachel, I realized the most important words in marriage are not, I love you. They're, that's different. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really where I want to go with this. I think that if we understand marriage, then this becomes a non-question because what is marriage? Right. It's taken to very different entities on purpose, by design, taking a male and a female to people who are inherently different in every way, biologically, psychologically, emotionally, um, like you said, different, different habits, different homes, uh, different styles, different communication skills, different ways of handling stress, different ways of handling money, which, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. So, no, you're taking two different individuals with different ways of doing pretty much everything. Yes. And you're putting them together uh, into this space called marriage. And um, that's beautiful, actually. That's on purpose. So if I were to have a big dining room table and I wanted to move that table from one room to the next. So I said to you, Vera, can you help me move the table? And you said, sure. So you come to my side of the table. Is that going to be a help? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are we going to get the table very far? Not really. <laughs> no. Okay. But if you go to the other side of the table, how's that? Much That's better. Easy. It's going to balance out weight. It's going to make it really easy to move the table. Okay. So when we look at marriage this way, that we are living with someone who is on purpose different than us so that we can create a more balanced home, a viable life together, right? We could create a, a home that's balanced, that works, that's, that's harmonized, that's synchronized, that has symmetry, right? That, that's beautiful. Balance is beauty. That's the beauty. So I always tell my, my women, stop fighting the differences and start delighting in the differences. When we recognize that this is a cause for celebration, 
and we even name it and use humor. Oh, wow. You do that so differently than me. You're so different than me. And I love it. Wow. Such a different perspective. Here I am using the word different. It's so different. It's so beautiful because yes, you're right. Normally we're bumping up against our husbands because they're so different and we want them to be on the same page, but we're not embracing the strength of their difference. Exactly. I mean, what is the root of all annoyance? Whenever you're annoyed with someone, what is the root? They're not agreeing with what your point of view is. Ah, the bottom line is they're not acting like you. They're not They're not thinking like you. They're not making the choices you would have made. They're not responding like you would have responded. Now, you know, when I'm speaking in front of 200 women, I say to them, who here would like to be married to themselves? Probably nobody raises their hand. (laughs) No, no. usually I get one lady who raises their hand. But nobody raises their hand. They laugh. And then on the other hand, that, that causes so much annoyance, but no. It's what we want. You know, the things, the reason we married him is because he was refreshingly different from us. <laughs> so, you know, we want it and then we fight it. We're funny. We're funny human beings. <laughs> so, um, so I think, you know, just first of all, just recognizing that. And then recognizing that Hashem on purpose placed children in this situation so that they can see two different drachim two different ways of doing things and make good choices. You know, at the end of the day, our children have Bechira. I know we don't like to think about it, but they have free choice. Um, and we want them to be able to make good choices, uh, but they're going to make their own choices. And so we can also, we want to teach our children. Uh, we want to model for our children. Um, and one of the things that often we forget about modeling We're so worried. Is my husband doing this? And what is that going to teach the children? What about teaching the children acceptance, living with differences, right? What about teaching the children? The only thing you can really teach them, which is how to be married, right? In a beautiful way, how to take two different people and use those differences to work together instead of letting them come in between the two. That's also teaching your children. Right. And, and often we forget about that. And I, I, I very often point that out to women who are asking me about, you know, differences. Um, once, once we have that mindset, okay, then, then we can get to the more practical, which is, you know, look, of course we want the, the, the more unified we present as a couple, the better it is for our children. Um, so if we, focus on our common goals, meaning me and my husband, right? It's true that we're different, but we did date. And in the dating, we spoke about hashkafa and perspective. And we decided that we, I hope, (laughs) shared common values and goals. Uh, And we all can find that common thread. And, And really, when it comes down to it, two healthy people talking about, two healthy people want the same thing for their children. They want to raise children who are able to be independent, who are able to make good choices, who have the skills they need for life. Yeah, right? for sure. The child should always be comfortable. That's not the goal. So the first thing is we want to identify what is our common goal. Right? We put, point the compass in the direction that we want to go and focus 
on we both want. If this is what I call the team. Okay. okay we both want the best for Yankee. Right. We're, we're both worried about him. Right? Or we're both. So focus on the common threat. And then recognize that you might have different pathways to get to the same goal. And that's okay. So then you could say, you know, here's what I've been doing with Yankee. Here's what I've been seeing successful or helpful. And then allow my husband to think about what he finds a nice way to do it. Um, and I want you to know that kids, kids are more tolerant than differences than we are. <laughs> kids are fine. Kids know that daddy says yes to this and mommy says that. Like they know and they're okay if we're okay. Um, on, you know, and the other thing is, you know, if again, you have a reasonable husband, I hope, um, and you're reasonable and respectful, which I'm sure we'll get to a little later, uh, uh, we could say, you know, let's always back each other in front of the kids. Yes. Later, if we're not sure about what happens, let's talk about it and let's, you know, let's explore. Okay. But in front of the kids, if you say something, I I'm going to back you up and I'm not going to get involved. And if I say something, you back me and don't get involved. And we could even have a code word between us, like fried fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I just thought of that. Okay. Um, which means later we'll talk about, we'll rehash the situation because maybe something went off here. But let's, in front of the children, very important, just back each other and show them that even though we don't have to agree with someone, we can respect their opinion and their approach. So my one no-no is never start parenting when the other person is in the middle of parenting. Wow. Out of the room. Right, because then you're contradicting, contradicting each other. It's just never going to end in a pretty way, trust yeah. me. Okay, and, and yeah, your husband feels disrespected. All your kids saw was argument. Like it's not a good, like there's nothing good comes out of that. So if you're very triggered by something that your husband's doing, and again, I'm not talking about something that compromises their safety, just it's not your way, it's annoying, and you feel it's really the wrong path, walk out of the room, go take a shower, go to the bathroom, call a friend, do something else, go bake cookies, um, just get out of the way, let him parent, don't start parenting him while he's parenting your child. Um, that is just my number one no-no, uh, very uh, bad track that we fall into sometimes yes so we think our way is the only way right right, right. don't we all like everybody should be doing it our way it, i know i know <laughs> yeah. you know our way is one way yes it's that we have to keep that in mind this is for sure 100 yeah, yeah. It, it it solves a lot of problems when we don't always jump in with my way is the right way it's for sure yeah yeah okay um, so let's talk now about a couple who has been married for a few years and already has a few children. Sometimes the mother stays at home with the kids while her husband is at work all day. She's cooking, cleaning, taking care of the kids, driving everywhere, running errands, organizing play dates, volunteering in the community and doing 10 million other things. She's bearing a full workload, even if she's not getting paid in dollars and cents while her husband is bringing home the money so that they can pay the bills. In many situations, unfortunately, 
the work that the wife does is not appreciated by the husband. And also he's not willing to help take care of the kids and the house. And also I want to mention that there are some moms who work outside of the home in addition to taking care of the sure. kids and the house. So they have, you know, double the triple the, the, the burden. So this goes yeah. for them too, for sure. And this can be a very frustrating situation. What can a couple do when one person is shouldering all of the responsibilities at home, whether or not they're working outside of the house, in addition to the responsibilities in the home and the children, while the other spouse doesn't appreciate the effort and is unwilling to pitch in to help? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, I I just want to state here that this is very common. I hear this a lot. And and it's very hard. It's, it's, it's very painful at first um, because, again, there are a lot of assumptions in this question that I'm noticing. Yes. <laughs> Assumption that she's not appreciated. Um, she may not feel appreciated, but we don't know that he doesn't appreciate her. Right. He does. Uh, so, you know, a lot of us attribute meaning to certain situations or thoughts, but there may be other meanings uh, that can be attributed. You know, it's my story, but it doesn't mean it's the only story. So kind of what we said before, you know, there's more than one way to look at something. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's look at it in a different way for a minute. Um, imagine that you walked into my kitchen and you see me slashing myself with knives, with a knife. Um, I'm, I'm cutting myself. You say, Rachel, what are you doing? And you say, well, let me explain. I was trying to cut an onion, and the left hand was, was, was holding the onion securely. My right hand was trying to cut the onion. And all my left hand slipped. And so my right hand got really mad at my left hand and said, what are you doing? You almost hurt me. So it, it cut me. So I, I had to take revenge. I, I cut back. Okay. And now we're in this fight and we're cutting each other. <laughs> what would you say to me? You'd say, Rachel, that's ridiculous. You're, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're, you're the same person. You're, you're both, you had one goal. You wanted to cut the onion. The left hand has a role. The right hand has a role. You're, you're working for the same common purpose. Why would you sabotage yourself? Why would you hurt yourself? Right. And, you know, we have an expression for this in America, that cutting off your nose to spite your face, right? It's when you visualize this, um, it's so ridiculous. And yet, how many of us have a scoreboard in our relationships where we, it's not fair, he had a 45-minute nap and I only got to sleep for 20 minutes, or I didn't sleep at all, and, you know, he sleeps every Shabbos afternoon and I have to watch a kid, you know, and we have this scoreboard attitude to our marriage. The problem is that scoreboards do not suit relationships. They, they, they do not ever contribute to the development and beauty of a relationship. Uh, so imagine that you um, invited me for Shabbos, you know, three times, and I invited you for Shabbos 10 times. And, I, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, it's not, it's not fair. You know, how are we going to have a relationship like that when everything becomes, well, you do this and I do that and it's not fair. That's not going to serve us. You know, we're different. And you might have an easier time hosting than I might have or, or vice versa. Um, and this might be something that comes more easily for you. And I might show you love and, and, and appreciation in other ways. Okay. So let's, let's 
first start with that visual that a husband and wife are one team. Yes. We are one team. And when you think about a team and you think about a, a football team or, or a baseball team, and I'm not a sports guru at all, and I don't know enough about it to even use the mashal completely, but I'm imagining that everybody has different jobs, different stations, different ways to contribute to the overall goal. And when one person gets a home run, everybody cheers for the team. Mm-hmm, for sure. Right? And, and there's jealousy doesn't really have a place in the team. If there is, it will destroy the team. Sure. So now, if um, when the roles are clearly defined, when I know my role, and you know your role, can you think about any good business? Um, everyone at the company, everybody serve the needs of the company, hopefully, okay, if they're good employees. Um, and everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. And though we might pinch hit for each other, and we should, um, absolutely, that really creates a beautiful work environment when we pinch hit. You know, somebody's out, I'll cover for you. Somebody's sick, I'll cover for you. Um, someone's in a meeting, I'll answer the phone for you. Right? You know, there are reasons why we pinch hit for each other. But ultimately, if people don't know where the buck stops and what the ultimate responsibility is, it actually leads to confusion and the business is dysfunction. So, for example, if nobody knows who is the final say on you know, whether or not we could approve the mortgage, right? Who has ultimate professional judgment on that? Then that could cause a lot of problems, yeah. right? People overstepping each other, people, nobody doing it, nobody taking responsibility, right? So nobody would run a business where there weren't clearly delineated roles. Um, so Judaism gives us roles. Yes. And, um, and it's so that we can have shalom. So that when... When, when there is a conflict, we know ultimately how we defer, okay? Just like if there's a male and female in a home, right? Um, it defers to the female to light candles, okay? If, if a man is by himself, he lights. Yes. When we say it's a woman's mitzvah, we mean it defers to the woman when there are two people, when there is a choice, okay? So now um, let's go back to this to this example. So the roles are the man gives the woman a ksuba, and it says in there, I will provide you with three basic necessities of life. I will provide you with your three main needs. I will provide you with food, clothing and shelter, and intimate marital pleasure. Okay. Now these actually are a combination of physical emotional and psychological needs. Okay, whether a woman recognizes that or not. Every woman wants to be protected, desired, cared for. Now, that is the ultimate role. He is responsible for bringing in the parnasa. Yes. Um, she is responsible for creating the space in which everyone in the family flourishes. Yes. The home. That's the feminine skill. Um, so that's the children and the um, organization of the home and the meals and the, you know, all that, that part of, 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 of how we function and how we manage. 
without that, forget no one could, nobody else, the kids can't go to school and do their thing and the husband can't go to work and do his thing. Now, within that model, obviously, right, if they need, if supplemental income will help, she'll provide supplemental income. And if he, if she's out doing that, then he does the dishes and he helps out, okay? So obviously we love each other and it's a team and we care about the team. And if a wife is having a particularly difficult time uh, for whatever reason, you know, she's an accountant and it's tax season, then her husband's gonna pitch in more. And if he's having, a, he's the accountant, she's gonna pitch in more um, because we care about each other. But ultimately when there's a conflict, it's so helpful to know, okay, you know what, we're both, we're both, uh, the, the child has the chicken box, okay, he can't go to school, he has COVID, who stays home, okay, so ultimately, right, like I remember we were both working, and this was always became a conflict, my kids are sick, well, well who says your job is more important than mine, why do you like, you know, you could get into that, right, right, um, and at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, we made up a system between ourselves that we felt, we both felt very good with, you know, that the first two days, I stay home. And if it's anything after that, he stayed home. <laughs> okay. But we, whatever, that was how it worked in our the early stages of our marriage. Now, thank God, I have a job that is flexible. He does not. He's a principal. He cannot miss school for anything. So I'm always the one that stays home and I'm totally good with it. I'm embracing the role so that our, our family can function, okay? And I think that when, when women recognize that it's not about fair, again, you know, we're, it's different. We're back to the different, yes. different roles so that we can function well. Um, and if you want to feel appreciated, okay, two things. Number one, look in the mirror. Are you showing appreciation for all of your husband's work outside the home? Are you really, right? Are you twice a week saying, wow, honey, you know, I know how hard you work. And I just want you to know that I don't always say this, but I, I recognize how much you care and how, how responsible you feel for our family and you know how much effort and energy you put in, and I, I really appreciate it because because of everything you do, I can have the cleaning help that I have, and I can have the food that I want to buy, and and the clothes that I want to have, and I just I don't thank you enough. So just know that I I think about it, and you're appreciated. Could you imagine how he's going to go to work the next day? Could you imagine? And no doubt that in a healthy relationship, you know he'll come back maybe two weeks later and start saying, wow, you know, do I tell you how much you've done in the home? <laughs> okay, so I do think it's important. We all need appreciation, uh, but the way we get it is not by complaining. That actually blocks the connection. Um, the way that we get it is by actually doing what we would like, by putting out the law of attraction. Put out what you want to attract. So when you put out appreciation and love and connection, in a healthy relationship, you'll get that back, okay? So that's, that's the first um, piece of advice, practical advice I would give besides the whole mind shift. Um, and the second piece is after two weeks, 
you don't feel appreciated. Those, it, again, it doesn't mean he doesn't appreciate you. He does. Believe me, he does. I went away to uh, Eretz Yisrael. My daughter had a, a baby. Lots of Oh, thank you. And I went to Eretz Yisrael and I came back. And my husband said, Rachel, the hamper doesn't work. It didn't work when you were away. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there with the same clothes I put in. Like, I don't know why it didn't work, you know? <laughs> okay. And, you know, it was his way of saying, like, wow, I realized another thing that just gets done without me know, like without me thinking about it. I just think, I don't know, the hamper just empties and then my drawer fills and then my, ha- my hamper empties and my drawer fills, right? So, um, you know, and I, it was so nice. I felt good because I felt that I mattered. You know, I felt that I was appreciated. People need to feel that they matter, that they, that they make a difference, right? Um, so, I, I think that if a woman says, you know, really thinks to herself, what do I want? You know, I want, I want to matter. I want my husband to notice the things that I do. Um, so, so let him know that. Say it means so much to me when not, don't say you never appreciate me. <laughs> That's bringing negativity. But if you turn it around in the positive and say, you know, um, it would mean so much to me or it means so much to me. When you notice, you know, other people could tell me I'm a great homemaker, but it doesn't mean as much as when you say it. Right. And, you know, I, I do work hard and it's my pleasure and I love it. And you work hard and I admire that and respect that. And it would really mean a lot to me to be recognized, you know, for, for all of the things that I do every day. Um, a lot of women make a big mistake and they think that it's kind of passive aggressive but the way that they think they're going to get appreciation is by complaining about how much they did and how hard it is. Um, that actually will trigger a shutdown in her husband um, and actually won't make him want to avoid her even more. It will not pull out of him what you want to get. Um, the pull comes from positivity, not from negativity. Negativity shuts people down. That is really key. You're right. You're right. As you were speaking, that's exactly the feeling that I was getting. The more positive you are, even if you're approaching um, a challenging situation, which you don't feel so positively about, if you approach it to the other person in a positive way, you might get a better reaction. I guess uh, you attract more bees with honey than with vinegar. That's exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Right. Yes. So now the other thing I want to talk about, as you were mentioning earlier, is money. Kids and money are often the biggest causes for disagreement in a marriage. And we spoke about kids. Now I would like to discuss money. Regardless of a couple's financial situation, whether they are wealthy or not, they have to decide how to allocate their resources, how much money goes into the bank account for savings, how much they spend on clothes, vacations, groceries. And sometimes the wife is a big spender, but other times it's the husband and he's the one who's who's doing the spending. How can a couple come to terms with spending habits without destroying the marriage? Yeah, you know that the, the most common uh, reason for divorce, in the, at least in the secular world, I don't know, is money. Yes, yes. So this is a very charged issue. Yes. Very charged. Um, and I think just recognizing that is key. You know, the awareness that you're going to come into the marriage, like we said before, with very different approaches to money. Yes. I've never met a couple that has the same approach to money. 
ever. <laughs> you're, you're, and maybe it's you know less um, you know uh, significant uh, you know difference, but everyone's going to approach it differently because um, our relationship with money is actually very emotional, and it comes from our backgrounds and our. So I think just a couple even communicating that, and that's something I love couples to talk about on dates. It's one of the topics, actually under hashkafa, which is what is your perspective hashkafa on money in this world? Because um, again, it comes from our backgrounds. It's really important to talk about it and just understand where, where the other person is coming from. So um, that's like my number one thing that I want to say. Um, you know, number two is good communication with a lot of respect goes a long way. Um, my husband and I have a practice down every paycheck, which is every two weeks. Um, on the first of the month, on the 15th of the month, we sit down, we have an Excel spreadsheet, um, we look at the income, and then we have categories, uh, and we allot together. Together, we make allotments of, for everything. Um, and that way, it takes all of those, like you've, you've listed so many things there. Yes. All of the conflict out of it, because there's a, whatever, I'll just make up numbers. There's $1,000 for food. There's $500 for vacation. There's what? Okay, so we're going to work with that. Like it takes all of the nitty gritty and all of the, the minutiae, the, 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 the minor choices from there out of it. Because we're both decided and we're both working with what we have. So sometimes creating a budget can be liberating, if you know what I mean. Um, or we also have, have two categories in there that are very important I want to talk about. One category in our budget is called blow money, which means this is money that I have, cash, that I could blow however I want to. No questions asked. And obviously for everybody, that will be a different amount. But let's say it's $30. So I'm not questioning you know, my husband's not questioning me if I went and got myself a nice coffee or if I went and got myself a manicure, right? Because I use my blow money. Like right. if I'm in the budget, we have, so it kind of respects the fact that we each have our own unique styles. Um, and I totally blow my blow money. And my husband saves up his blow money every month and then something big at, at the end or sometimes a gift for me. Okay. But we're each, like, no one's asking questions, you know? So it's kind of nice. It's respectful. Um, and sometimes when you create a container, the relationship can thrive. So the container here would be the budget. Um, I highly recommend the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey for anyone who is struggling with debt. Um, do it together with your husband. It's a great program. Um, okay. But remember, money is only the means to a goal. And sometimes we confuse the means and it's like, oh, I don't have time for my relationship because I need to do the laundry. Well, why do you do laundry? So I could have clean clothes. Why do you want clean clothes? So that my husband and my children can, you know, and myself could, could go to work properly and could do all the things that we do. And why do you do that? Well, so that we could, right? And when we keep going and going, we recognize wait a minute. So if I'm ignoring my husband now because I have to do the laundry, right, that makes absolutely no sense. It's like I'm driving, I'll ditch work because I'm driving, but the whole point of driving was to get to work. 
<laughs> we do that sometimes. So when we remember that money is a means, it's not the goal. The goal is shalom bias. And money can help that. But we're not going to let it be the, take us away from where it's trying to bring us. That, that makes no sense. Um, another question I often ask women when they call and they're having an argument with their husband or they're so mad, went out and bought something for $400, okay? Um, which, by the way, every couple should have an agreement between the two of them that there's a certain amount of money, like whatever it is for that couple, under $50, we don't, we don't ask each other. But over this amount, we always check in with each other. And for some couples, that might be 5000 And for another, it might be $5, like depending on your income. But every couple kind of has, even if they didn't discuss it, this mutual understanding, right? That you don't have to check in about this, right? But you do have to check in about this. Yes. Her husband, I guess, made a big purchase and he didn't check in with her. She was very upset. And we talked through the whole issue. And at the end, I asked her a question. I said, if Shalom Bias was on sale, one-time deal for four hundred dollars, would you? Are you in? Would you buy it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so listen to yourself, right? If if this was, if we're so funny, right? Like Shalom Bias is another line on my budget with my husband. Wow. And and that's for like somebody got a ticket and we're and we're mad at each other. Ah, Shalom Bias fund. You know, um, oh, we want it. We, we're not, we're not, we're not spending enough. We want to spend more time together. You know, oh, shall I buy a spot? We go to the restaurant. Okay. We, we need to get away, you know. So everyone should have a line in their budget. Shall I buy it? So smart. Yeah. And it really, really helps out. So that's my short money piece of advice here. That's amazing. Well, those are really good tips in there. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> We're getting close on time, but I really, I think this is a very important question. My last question. It's a really, really important question. So if you don't mind, um, sure. while it is ideal, if a couple is able to start off their married life together on the right foot, it doesn't always happen. Often, if, even after being married for 15 years, couples are still arguing about the same exact thing that they disagreed about when they first got married. It's been over a decade and the argument is still exactly the same. This is actually a very real issue, and I know many couples like this. And I want to see if you could please talk to us about what a couple can do if they are still fighting over the same issue year after year after year. <laughs> yeah, I call this the unending loop or the hamster wheel, right? Yes. Of marriage. Here we go again. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I love the question because I think it's so important. Yes. Uh, to step back. I think we all have every single couple. And which most of us don't recognize. But when we step back and recognize it, I think that's already 50% of the journey, right, to the solution. Uh, so I want to give you a, a, a muscle here. Um, let's imagine that I, there's a door and it's not opening. So I bang my head against the door. It doesn't open. So I bang my head against the door again. Still doesn't open. Now I have a headache to boot. Okay, so bang it again. Now I have a worse headache and the door is still closed, yes. right? Eventually, what I want to do is say, wait a minute, this is not, work. like I'm doing the same thing. And not only is it not effective, it's actually giving me a worse and worse headache. And now I have red lines on my forehead and now I have a bump, right? This is actually getting worse and worse. So I want to step back from the situation and find the doorknob. 
Okay. And this is just a really important way perspective um, to say, wait a minute, what, it, what is the systemic issue here? Because we keep getting into this loop. So what am I going to do differently? Where is the nakuda, the point that we keep hitting up against that I want to go back and do something differently? I want to turn the door. Um, now, in every marriage, every single issue like this is going to boil down to one of three issues. Number one, healthy boundaries, or what I call acceptance, non-acceptance. Number two, communication. How am I communicating what I want? Am I doing it in a positive, productive way? And number three, unmet expectations or false expectations, which leads to disappointments. And, you know, and then that just is the cause of a lot of the negative energy. And for some marriages, they have all three of these. Um, so whenever a client first calls me and starts with one of these scenarios, I'll always try to find which of these three. Sometimes I'll, I'll usually actually I'll ask her. I'll say, these are the three. So whoever's listening to this podcast, you know, maybe think about, identify which one of those, right, um, is the nakuda, is the main cause of your hamster wheel, right, or stuck where you're stuck. Um, and then once we find that, then we can start working on that. And that's actually what I do as a marriage coach. Um, we work through and I help the women find a new way. You know, I would encourage everyone to have a marriage mentor um, of some sort. It doesn't matter what the letters are at the end. Um, to have another person to, you know, give you perspective and insight and just hold this Space for you, a container to create a container for you to like kind of lay everything out. You know how when you want to clean up, first you make a mess, <laughs> you take everything out, and then you sort through, and then you can put it back nicely. Yes, I love organizing. I know I'm one of those people. I just love it because I love the feeling afterward, and I know that you know during the mess, it's okay because it's all going to go back, right? <laughs> so I think that you know working through with someone really gives you the ability to do that. Um, but I would say that um, just one little practical piece that I'm going to put out here is called Yes And. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Debbie Hirsch and her laughter therapy workshops. She's fabulous. And um, I have the privilege of having gone on two trips to Israel with H. Destiny. I've led trips here uh, to Israel through my uh, Denver, H. Denver here, and we have, she comes and she does these laughter workshops with us. Um, and one of her exercises is the person, no matter what the other person says, she brings up two people, it's improv, and no matter what the person says, the other person has to say yes, okay, and, and then they, they add, okay, but you always have to say yes, and, okay. Okay. Um, and that's actually a marriage skill. Uh, I don't know if she's presenting it like that, but this is the skill that I use in marriage. It takes two people to get into an argument. Yes. If you don't want an argument, you have control over that. Don't argue. How do you not argue? You go, yes. Okay. You listen to the point that your husband is making. That is true. That has 
you know, in every situation, there are positive truths and there are negative truths. Okay, so focus on the truth that you identify with in that, in whatever he's saying. The part of there's always going to be something about it that's true. Okay, so even if it's a feeling, feelings, we don't argue about feelings. There's no wrong or right. So, yes, I could imagine you felt that way. And sometimes I feel blah, 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 blah. Or sometimes this and this you know, I find very helpful. Okay. So the way it's not an argument, it's a place, which is what marriage is, where it's holding space to come full circle of where we started. We're two individuals, right? That apple and orange, I like to compare marriage to a football, can coexist in a safe space and can make room for each other and for the other person's thoughts, perspectives, hopes, desires, opinions. Okay. I, I highly recommend, by the way, for anyone on relationships to read The Seven Levels of Intimacy by Matthew Kelly. Because, you know, he talks about this, like the ability to hold different opinions in the same space. And, and this is marriage. Um, you don't need to agree with someone in order to be friends with them. And you just need to hold space for who they are and their experiences and their knowledge and their feelings. It's amazing. It goes back to the differences that we started with. Yes. Everything goes back to that. Everything goes back to the fruit bowl. Right? No matter who interviews me about what, you know, we always have to go back to that fruit bowl because um, it's really about holding two different people, delighting in those differences. That's right. Creating the balance, moving that table by having someone on the other side. By having someone who doesn't think and feel and do the same thing as you all the time. Um, but yeah, in order to do this, you're going to need to work on your boundaries, on becoming a healthy, have such a healthy sense of self that you can let go and allow another person to have their perspective. And that's a lot of work for women, working on acceptance you know, of your spouse, lowering your expectations to be more in line with reality, right? So all of these skills really, in that, you know, they're all like kind of merge with the other. Uh, but yeah, these are a lot of great things, you know, that we're talking about here today. I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we have a, a, a short space to talk about, you know, a, a workshop that Hashem gives us for, for 90 years, you know. So, <laughs> you know, that workshop, that divine custom-made workshop called Marriage, um, which we're in for 80 or 90 years, right? 120 minus how old you were when you got married is how many years Hashem gives you for this workshop. So um, we're not going to be able to cover, you know, all of that in an hour, but, you know, hopefully we, we touched on some, some good things and a lot of good things and a lot of concrete tips, a lot of tools that people can start implementing right now. So it's really, really amazing. And thank you so much, Rebbitz and Rachel, for joining us on America's Top Rebbitz. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And I think that we all really learned a lot today. And may the learning we did today be for Rafua Shalema, for Avraham Alter Ben Rifka. Thank you again so, so much. Amen. Thank you.